Ikeda. This is Uniting Nations. This podcast explores the intersection of nonviolence and the goals of the United Nations. On January 22, 2021, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons entered into force. It's the first international treaty that comprehensively prohibits any activities related to nuclear weapons that includes developing, testing, producing, manufacturing, what have you. This treaty is a great example of the power of civil society and power of nonviolence because it's really challenging this notion that nuclear weapons are necessary evil. Nation states admit that we shouldn't use it, but they also say we must have it to maintain peace and security. International security affects all of us, including the countries that do not possess nuclear weapons. They must have a say in this issue because it affects all of us and civil society too. We have the expertise in science and security. In people's well being, and we must have a voice at the table. So, I think it's a really interesting dynamic change in recent years at the UN to have this kind of shift in the narrative about what does security really mean. It's not about nation states protecting themselves with this massive amount of weapons of mass destruction, it's really about what affects people and what makes us feel safe. January 22nd. It's a special milestone for many of us who work on nuclear disarmament issue, but I feel many people in the public may not be aware of this important treaty and its significance. And I thought、uh, Mary, one of the people who have been active in the community, we work together as faith actors and activists for nuclear disarmament. I thought she would be a great person to talk about. Not only the、um, importance of the treaty, but also how it connects to nonviolence and each one of us can do. Hi, my name is Mary Yelenik. I work for Pax Christi International, which is the global Catholic movement for peace and nonviolence. I work as the main NGO representative at the United Nations in New York for Pax Christi International. We focus at the United Nations on nonviolence in different contexts, specifically extractive industries. Nuclear abolition and Israel Palestine. But again, our underlying focus is nonviolence. Even if there were a single sequence involving a nuclear exchange among nations, the entire planet would be placed at risk. The immediate impact would be the annihilation of those people on whom the bomb had been dropped. But of course, that radiation then extends, and a humanitarian response would be impossible because no one would want or could enter the zone. As we've seen before, the, the medical facilities would be themselves destroyed. And over time, because of all the、uh, debris that would be entering the atmosphere, the sun would no longer be able to reach crops on Earth. And so the world slowly would experience famine, there would be mass starvation. So, this is the consequences of nuclear weapons. It's not a matter of security, it's not a matter of technology, it's not a matter of defense. Of strategy, it's a matter of human survival and the survival of every other living thing on this planet. And so the TPNW outlaws nuclear weapons. As long as there is a nuclear weapon, there is a chance of annihilation of everyone. I've been involved with nuclear abolition on a personal level for a long time. I was one of the 
million people in 1982 who attended the anti-nuclear rally in Central Park in New York. I was living in New York at the time, and I was involved with Pax Christi Metro New York, which works on all kinds of nonviolence and peace issues. Uh, and then when I retired from my law firm, I'm an attorney by training. When I retired from my law firm, I began working full-time with Pax Christi International. And they asked me to look at nuclear weapons, that issue, because at that point, the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons was being devised. And so we were looking at early drafts of that and sending our comments on the, on the treaty. So it really was very auspicious timing, um, very serendipitous timing for me. I frankly had been a little bit intimidated about the issue of nuclear abolition, as I think many people are, because I thought it entailed a lot of substantive knowledge about chemistry and physics. And of course, I found out that that's something that's being used to bar people from really analyzing the underlying dangers and di diabolical nature of nuclear weapons. And so I, I quickly overcame my reticence and became a very active campaigner. For a long time, there was something called the NPT, the Nuclear Nonproliferation Treaty, and all of the then nuclear nations, which at that point were only five in number, agreed that over time, in exchange for other nations not acquiring nuclear weapons, the nuclear weapons would eliminate their own weapons. And now that's been more than 50 years, and we haven't seen any progress on that front. In fact, the most recent NBT conference in September last year resulted yet again in no outcome document. And the consensus of the community now is that if, if a couple of these bombs were dropped, that would be the end of civilization. It would be the end of the world. It would kill, it would maim, it would destroy. There would not be any time or space for a humanitarian response because all the first responders would be dead. No one would want to enter the nuclearized zone because of the atomic radiation. And it would create a nuclear winter. So much debris would go into the atmosphere that ultimately the planet would not be able to grow crops. And so everyone over time would die. This is the reality. The humanitarian consequences are what we need to focus on. And that's something that everyone can understand. And so ICANN, the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, which comprises a number of members around the world, including Pax Christi International, devised this treaty, which focuses on the humanitarian consequences and outlaws nuclear weapons. What we need to do is talk to the, the leadership of the different countries. So we lobby the ambassadors. And it's interesting to have these conversations as human beings with each other, because privately they do concede that they are worried about that. But they say strategically, uh, militarily, it's something they really can't advocate. So we need to have a, a powerful movement of people who are willing to step forward and talk about the realities. I have a lot of friends who are part of the Plowshares movement, which is a Catholic peace movement that sends people into military establishments to symbolically hammer the nose cones of nuclear weapons uh, to follow the, the uh, injunction of Isaiah to transform weapons into plowshares. What they do is remind people of the consequences. One of the people in the plowshares movement said that she got involved in the plowshares movement because she saw a photo book from Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And she said that ordinarily you don't see those images because they're censored. If anyone, if ever, anyone saw those images, they would be, I think, out in the streets protesting. One thing we don't do sufficiently 
is show the consequences. I mean, people could be worried in their minds, which they are, about taking on too much and it's just overwhelming. But once you see an image, it's with you. And I think that makes a better advocate. So I think one thing that I can is doing is showing images and graphics. A number of young people have said, well, nuclear weapons is such a big issue. I'm really focusing on climate change instead. And what we need to do, I think, is show the, the commonalities between those issues. I mean, nuclear weapons would precipitate immediate climate catastrophe. So I think people are engaged already in advocacy. I think we need to weave these issues together and probably not, maybe not isolate one over another because they're all connected. They're all connected. They're all connected also with systemic racism. The people who were whose lands were taken to test nuclear weapons and still are, the people who suffered the most horrific radiation effects generationally are people of color around the world. All these groups need to work together, I think, on these issues because they are very, very intimately related. The treaty is, I think, wonderful, wonderful news. I mean, already we have people around the world who have signed the treaty. There are 68 countries who have signed it. They want the elimination of all nuclear weapons. There are 92 countries in total that have signed it. And there's a lot of pushback, of course, from those who are allies of the nuclear nations because they're being threatened if they sign this treaty. But nonetheless, they are proceeding. I think what gives me hope is the resurgence of interest and the efficacy being demonstrated of nonviolence. But the United Nations membership also includes NGOs like the Meta Center, like Pax Christi International, who are the people, who are the people. And so that has to come from that aspect of the United Nations. Uh, we can't expect anything else from the formal institution. It's, you know, it's no, no better than its members. And unfortunately, we've seen the enmity now on the Security Council, which has really paralyzed the Security Council for the last couple of years. So it has to come from us. 